This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Craig Blumenshine, and joining us again from Bismarck for our weekly chat on Main Street Eats is root seller Sue Balcom. Welcome back, Sue. Hey, thanks for having me. I love that bloom and shine. It's time to bloom and shine. It's thinking about plants. I'm Yay. waiting for you to market you that, and I want partner? residuals. Yeah. <laughs> you <are> residuals. <laughs> but you are making us think about spring today, Sue. You're talking about potting soil. Absolutely. And um, the price of potting soil, as well as everything else, is going mm. up. And I do have some really strong feelings about you um, potting soil. Oh the, yeah, that and reminds everything me, else, right? <laughs> that reminds me on the egg reports we used to hear as a kid, higher, 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 when they would be talking about commodity prices, and this is almost a commodity in my wife's eyes, I think. Oh my gosh, yeah. If I could figure out how to get a pallet out to my house, I would, because you know I ordered uh, like, I think it comes in. 30 or so pound bags, mm-hmm. the kind that I like, and I ordered some one time, and each of those bags came in a separate box, and mm. oh my gosh, between my husband and UPS driver, I was in the doghouse <laughs> for a really long time. <laughs> so my suggestion to everybody is start thinking about this now, because if you're going to grow your own transplants, you're going to want to make sure that you have a really good potting mix. Um, potting mix, sometimes when you buy it, is actually soilless and is just kind of a medium that you use. But we kind of mix our own. And I use this for starting transplants. I use it for pots on my patio. If I have extra tomato plants or something, I might pot one up and let the deer eat it because that's usually what happens because it's not inside the fence. But but you have to really be careful about what you're buying out there in those big, heavy bags. Potting soil is is um, a little heavier than a potting mix, but a garden soil, which has sand and clay, and, and you'll find big wood chips in there sometimes and stuff like that, is not sterile. And you do not want to start your transplants in a non-sterile soil. Um, so what I do is I have to look, and this is hard too, you have to kind of look for a potting soil. I don't use the potting mix. I'm making my own potting mix here. Potting soil that is sterile but doesn't have any other additives in besides something like commoner or some kind of compost. Um, there's a certain kinds of uh, potting soil that have additional fertilizers <laughs> and or those diaper beads in them. Oh, and yeah. those things are terrible. I thought, oh, this is great. I won't have to water my plants. And I yeah. used one one year and I probably lost every house plant I had because they never dry out fast enough and the roots rot. So definitely stay away from anything that has additional ingredients. So you want a sterile soil that has compost in it but not additional fertilizer. So sterile, does that just mean no living right. material? That, yes, that actually means that it's it's probably been heated or radiated or something. I hate to use that word radiated. but Some people put a black tarp over areas, mm-hmm. superheat them for a week, mm-hmm. then you have sterile soil. Is that, yep, that's exactly right. And you can do that. In fact, all of your garden areas during the winter months could be covered with... with um, even clear plastic would work. And then what, what that sun does in the spring is it heats that ground up. If you have it really tight to the ground, actually kills all those weed seeds. And if you're using a no-till method, you're not going to bring up any new weed seeds. So mm-hmm. that's one way to help eliminate some of those weeds in your garden. The 
but you know me, I like to pull them out. <laughs> That's an aggression thing, too. You know? <laughs> and I love that sound of the rip from the soil. You know, when you're ripping oh them out of the soil, yeah. I love that sound. You're the only person I know who likes weeds. <laughs> <laughs> well, God even waters weeds, so they must be here for a reason, right? Um, so then when you find this, then you want to find some um, either cocoa mulch like that's the new thing that kind of is replacing peat moss because there's been some issues about you know using up all the peat moss and I don't know if it ever regenerates I, I don't know I use peat moss and I buy it by the great big things but you use a quarter peat moss and a quarter vermiculite and then half of this potting sterile potting soil and it makes just a wonderful fluffy mix for starting your transplants and it's less expensive than buying a potting mix that's already been done up plus you know what's in it um, the vermiculite and the peat are there to keep that soil light and fluffy because one of the last things that roots want to do is have to struggle when they're newbies to get through that soil and the reason you don't want any additional fertilizer in there is because God created the most perfect thing when he created a seed. It's self-contained. It has everything it needs to get to probably the four-leaf stage before you have to start, you know, babying it a little bit. You know, and that is the seed survival package right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so is potting mix pretty generic? Can I use it for tomatoes and succulents? Yes, I use I use that potting mix recipe I just said for everything. All my house plants have it, and all of my garden plants have it. And then when I do pots, you know, like I have big pots that somebody probably I think gave to me, because why would I buy pots when they show up on my doorstep? Um, and so I fill those pots with with this soil mix, use it for a season, and then rather than throw it away. Um, or even throw it on the garden, I'll put that into my compost bin, hmm. and then I will start adding table scraps and, and whatever else to kind of replenish that soil. You know, it just kind of like, and you should have brown matter in your compost combo anyway, so this is a good way to actually do that. Um, one of the things they, they worry about is passing soil-borne diseases, but if you're growing flowers, one year and then using that for edibles the next year you know you have to have really sick plants in order for that to happen so hmm. as long as you're careful about that um, thinking of probably tobacco mosaic disease in tomatoes probably is the most common thing I've ever seen and I don't allow people to walk in my tunnels unless I'm supervising them and or smoke around them um, because of that disease that's in tobacco plants also can be transferred to tomato plants. So one of the things that Mr. Weber used to do, this is so cool, um, he is a friend of mine, well, he was a, an elderly gentleman that lived next to me when I first got married and started reading organic gardening and then took what, what my mom taught me and went to a whole nother direction. And we used to have these competitions in the, in the spring to see whose radishes would be ready to eat first. And sometimes in March I would 
come out and he would have shoveled my sidewalk and left me seed packets under my mat on the doorstep and stuff. But I would watch him. Well, it was it was hard not to because he had tendency to get up at 4 a.m. and start crushing aluminum cans outside my oh, bedroom window. That's but a thing. <laughs> anyway, so I'm watching Mr. Weber garden. He he had a huge garden in his backyard, and every year he would dig a trench from one end to the next, and it would stay open. And that is where he buried his compostable table scraps in that trench all summer long. And then next year, he moved the trench over a couple feet. Self-contained compost pit. Right. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. that way he was taking care. You know how much less garbage we have since we started composting when, when I moved out to the country? I mean, it's it's amazing the kind of garbage and then that's the stuff that stinks the worst so you know and you can compost you know you can start a compost pile you can have a little composter and so you should never have to to lose that soil and then do you mix that with your potting mix or do you use it in place of your potting mix or the recipe that for the compost oh for the well you can add it to your potting mix or top dress your plants with it okay um i wouldn't i would never i don't ever use it straight out of my compost bin even though man it smells good enough to eat sometimes <laughs> Sue, i have a quick you've told us this before i think but how do you keep rodents out of your compost compost pile cats yeah, if you don't have cats, cats and snakes. Nature's like figured this one um, out, Craig. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to. What are you throwing in your compost heap that would attract rodents? I suppose they eat just about anything. I have never seen any. We have mice and stuff, but we have a cat, and then of course we have turkeys. I don't know if turkeys eat rodents or not, but we're gonna have a turkey problem this year. Um, you have to make sure that you're putting only what you're supposed to put in your compost. So no dairy, no bread, no meat scraps, that kind of thing attracts varmints. But yeah, I think sometimes mice, they're an inevitable fact of life. Like they're in my peat moss when I don't properly seal it up in the greenhouse. Mm -hmm. Like I have an outdoor bin. I don't even know how they get in there. But my, I have a sister-in-law that's just, she freaks out at the grasshoppers jumping out of the grass and spider webs and box elder bugs and all those things that nature put for a reason on the earth. Um, and we kept our, our uh, life jackets in this outdoor bin with my peat moss one year. <laughs> she opened it up and there was a couple of mice in there and nests. Oh boy. <laughs> so I had to move the life jackets. <laughs> It was probably good, too, because eventually they would have nested in there, right? So That happens. um, Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you can um, cover. You can cover um, your compost piles if you have them outside. But definitely, I think there's not much more you can do to keep the little varmints out of there. Do you stir the compost all winter? Um, We have two... (laughs) I don't know why I think that's funny. We have... um, Six-foot snowdrift under our compost bin. I can't even get to the okay. bin this right, winter, right. so the answer to that would be no. And then our cold compost, we never stir that up. That is just like piles and piles and piles, which is not a bad thing. If you look at the way Mother Nature composts, you know, you're in a forest and you have this loamy, beautiful fluff underneath a layer of dried leaves, 
and you know there might be mushrooms growing out of that or something but they actually have um, if you want to start a garden and you've never had a garden you can create raised beds like that like layering like mother nature does which is why you would put you know mulch on top of your garden over the winter and let that decompose. It's good for the little varmints in the soil. It, it decomposes and adds um, aeration to your soil, you know. So you can do what they call a lasagna garden, which is, you know, you line the bottom of a raised bed with a few layers of cardboard to kill off the grass. Um, one of the other things that we've done is um, taken the sod peeled it off and turned it upside down and then layered the cardboard on top of mm-hmm. it, which additionally helps to kill that grass um, and then water that down really good and then start putting carbon-rich materials, which are the brown materials, and the nitrogen-rich green materials on the top of that. So, And then you leave it for a while, right? right. Like sometimes so, even a whole season? Right. So that's that was my next comment was if you're going to start a garden and it's fall, that's the time to do it. Or the summer before, like if you not get, if you don't get in on the growing season, you should do it probably a year in advance of that. Another question about the cardboard, does it need to be like the unprinted cardboard? Yes. Like what if you take a box of yes. diapers that has dyes no. and no, pictures no, 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 no. and stuff? You wanna, keep, you wanna keep that cardboard, it has to be like cardboard boxes, corrugated cardboard boxes okay. that are clean. And there seems to be abundance of them from um, Amazon at everybody's house these days. But Amazon is getting smarter and they're starting to mail things in these brown paper envelopes instead of plastic and or boxes just to save room in the trucks and to um, kind of cut back on their carbon footprint. And that also works. You know, like, oh my gosh. When was the last time you got a box from Amazon or, or some other mail order company that didn't have like wads and wads of oh, this wonderful right. brown paper or that paper that's got the holes in it that stretches, you know, kind of funky? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never throw that stuff away. I iron the paper and roll it up in tubes You're and put it what? under my... Yes. <laughs> and you can use that in your garden, too. What does yeah, your garage look like, Sue? <laughs> I am... The garage is off limits. That is JC's territory. He can put whatever he wants in the garage because if I put something in there, it always ends up in the middle of the yard anyway. I'm like, what's that do? in there well it was in my garage okay i'll move it so i have to be really um smart about how i hide that stuff but oh my gosh there's so many materials out there that you can reuse instead of throwing them in the landfill and i'm all about that we check in weekly with root seller sue sue thanks for joining us thanks craig and thanks ashley it's been my pleasure